0: I'm Brandon Bartnick, and this is the Future of Mobility Podcast. Safe, sustainable, and equitable mobility solutions. That's what this is all about. With the climate situation as it is right now, plus many other factors, it's never been more important for us to continue to improve the sustainability of the way that we're moving goods and people. At the same time, we need to improve safety for drivers and pedestrians, and we need to get these solutions in the hands of the people who need them, need them most. So that's what I cover, primarily interviews I'm talking to the people who are developing and implementing, covering these technology solutions. Also, my day job, this podcast is brought to you by FEV. FEV is your complete vehicle engineering partner for sustainable energy and mobility solutions. We're the engineering technology partner behind a lot of what you see on the road and elsewhere. Shoot me a note if you want to learn more. Check out FEV.com. Check us out on LinkedIn. Today's guest is Nino DeCara. Nino is founder and president of Electric Autonomy Canada, which is the leading news publication reporting on the transition to electric vehicles, autonomous transportation, and new mobility services, primarily for the Canadian market, as, as you hear. So people developing technology and then also the app implementation of this technology in Canada. Really, really cool discussion here. So I think uh, Nino has, has an interesting background we talk about. So he's in you know, media and marketing, and he started this. Company Electric Autonomy Canada a uh, f- f- few years ago, and it's it's cool to hear how he thought about you know picking this niche, and then also how to accurately cover this transition as he mentions. And if you uh, yeah, if, if you've listened to the podcast, you hopefully have realized that there's a ton of nuance in both of those topics, so the electrification as well as automation. And uh, I, I think Nino gets it from. The discussion here and then also what you see on the website and stuff so really really fun discussion also i, I highly recommend even if you don't live in canada or especially if you don't live in canada it's interesting check check out their website and see what, what's going on up there because i mean despite the fact that i could get in a car and drive a half hour and be in canada right now sitting in the detroit area um I, I, yeah i don't tend to consciously think uh, as much as maybe i should about the role that canada's playing in within the North American ecosystem, then also the global picture. And I guess if you, if you actually look back at the guests who have come on, there's a decent chunk of them have been from Canadian com- um, companies. So really, really fun there. And then the one area where we, we dive a little deep, which is cool, is he talks about a design challenge that they have going on right now. So this is in late 2021, in September. This is recorded and, and going live. And they have a design tech competition. Essentially, what is the road stop of the future look like so you're taking a high highway trip a road trip in an electric vehicle you need to stop the charge what should that look like and if you're like me you're, you're picturing uh something that's probably more like a traditional yeah rest stop or gas station than it needs to be which is kind of cool discussion so definitely listen into to that part if, if you happen to be in the design space check out electrical electric autonomy canada's website and you can see the design competition there it's a pretty pretty cool initiative they have there so, without further ado, please enjoy my conversation with Nino DeCara. Today I'm joined by Nino DeCara. Nino, thanks for coming on.
1: Hey, Brendan, It's a pleasure to be here with you today.
0: Yeah, this, this should be a fun discussion. So a little bit different, uh, different perspective from a few areas with you coming from more of the media side. So with that, could, could you kind of introduce yourself and share a bit about your background and what you're doing with Electric Autonomy Canada?
1: Yeah, sure. Well, uh, I'm the founder of Electric Autonomy Canada, which is a, a news publication reporting on the transition to hopefully cleaner and safer transportation uh, through the adoption of electric and autonomous technologies. Um, founded the business in May 2019, and um my background's in in media and in and in marketing. That's where my my career was up until that date, and. Uh, yeah, I launched it because I I uh, wanted to really help uh, play a role in uh, advancing this transition.
0: Yep. and why? Uh, maybe let's dig a little deeper there. So, I mean, I, I don't think and correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think your your uh, media and marketing background was specific to mobility or any specific technology. So, what uh, what about this particular issue or topic attracted you?
1: Well, I, I got to that stage in in my career, which had been great. Um, well, I, I felt the need to do something purposeful that mattered and that was helping with one of the many problems that we have in the world. And uh, I, I have an enthusiasm for, for for new things. I'm not like a hugely technological kind of person, but t- to me, EVs in particular and, and autonomy just seem like s- such beneficial, disruptive changes um, yeah. that we should get the benefits sooner rather than later. And it, I think the thing that really sparked me off on it was um, the the film uh, "Who Killed the Electric Car," and uh, that, that that just really showed how there was this great technology that was coming. But obviously, the movie implied that it was due to corporate forces that it, it didn't really happen. And I I just I really wanted to be a part of helping to make sure that it happens now.
0: Yeah, yeah. And how do you think then? So I, I don't know without pointing any any specific directions, but I think there is. A lot of, or there's maybe not a lot, but there are some people in the, in the media who are, you know, I think well intentioned who think, hey, I'm uh, I'm excited about this push towards electrification or, or, or autonomy or both, and they become kind of whole so full kind of whole hum that the underlying objective of we want to reduce emissions and clean up transportation mm-hmm. becomes secondary to I want to push electric or I want to push autonomous vehicles. And, and for the most part those are aligned but they're not they're not perfectly aligned so so i guess the the question is how do you try to is, is that something you think about and if so is, how do you try to find the balance of kind of making sure you're checking the north star as you go and adjusting as uh new information comes out
1: yeah it's um it's it's a really good question and it's one of the advantages of of, of running my own business this is this is this is my my first um, this is my first company that I've started and founded and 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 run. I've run businesses for corporations before, but when when it's your own shop, uh, it's it, it's a lot easier to just be constantly thinking. Well, I'm, I'm here because of this, and and in fact, we've been doing some strategic planning recently as a team, and we've got a set of four criteria, actually now five criteria that we're we're assessing new projects against and the first one is um what what project is going to have the biggest impact on advancing the transition so we we've we we build it in just make sure it's in 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 our core in that way in terms of like what what do we do because otherwise there's there's not much point and i'm 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 not i'm not at the I mean, we need to make money and we need to be profitable as a business because then obviously you can keep doing it. And that's one of the criteria: is what can we do profitably uh, <laughs> and to a level of excellence. Um, but I, th- I think if it's not helping the transition, then kind of like, well, why, why are we doing it? it? I mean, maybe we might do something because it's fun. But I think just doing something for profit alone is get, just gets miserable very quickly. Yes. So that's, been, that's been my experience in life
0: <laughs> Yeah, and it's... It's interesting. I mean, and maybe this ties into the other part of the question, the uh, the, the Canada part's interesting as, as well. So I think like if if I were designing a media company and I simply, you know, I wanted to focus around electric and autonomous technology, I'm excited about this technology. I wanted to put, I mean, the, the low-hanging fruit is just talk about Tesla, right? <laughs> or talk about the, the companies people are clicking on. The, you, you get the clicks from the whatever. It's the, the CEO who's, who's saying things or you, you can write these kind of scandalous type stories and you guys it, it seems like for the most part are I mean it's right in the name but then also in the content you're uh, you're focusing on you know technology that's developed and being deployed in in Canada so what went into kind of right off the bat very clearly setting this demarcation
1: yeah well it was um it's really an insightful comment because that that at the heart of that is on is if, if if we're launching a business it needs to be different and differentiated and and I'm somebody who's loved all the media that reports on the Teslas and all the other all the other vehicles. I I I love all that all that content, and I read all that stuff. And in my mind, we, we you know we didn't need more of it. So if I launched something that did yeah. that, it wasn't going to help. Um, and so for me, the 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 barrier to the transition wasn't the technology, because I think the technology. it's already been shown as I mentioned with that movie the technology has been kind of there in varying levels for a long time now but is now rapidly uh, obviously advancing and so so for me the technology wasn't the barrier it was our it it was the desire to to adopt this technology and be a leader in it so I'm 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 British by birth but I'm a I've lived in very happily and proud Canadian now for 14 years and um canada has the potential to lead in this transition um and in my mind the areas that i felt would have the biggest impact on it was on the policy side and on the business and economic side and social side of this transition so that's why we write more about issues affecting those areas than we do about the technology and the vehicles per se and so that's our focus the canadian market really focused on the economic Social and and
0: um, and policy side of it. Gotcha, Yeah, maybe that's a, a good transition too. So I think we're we're recording this in September twenty um, twenty one, and it's uh, I think you, you guys have an interesting you know design competition that was recently kicked off and that that's underway right now. So can you talk kind of on the infrastructure side what you guys are doing there?
1: Yeah, I'd love to. Um, yeah, so we've we've launched a as you say a, a, d- a design competition, and we're inviting architects and designers to reimagine what the fueling station of the future will look like on on highways uh, obviously all you know on these long distance corridors tra- travel corridors uh there's there's often highway stops uh, but they're orientated around gas refueling which is as you and your listeners know is, is is very fast you know you pump gas and you generally grab a drink and you kind of get on the way but if you remove gasoline uh, f- from from that station and you just have electric vehicle charges which is what's gonna be the future mm-hmm. uh, it presents all sorts of opportunities and when you have people who are who are uh, spending longer at the stop you know, let's say on average between 10 and, and 40 minutes while they're charging um it, it's obviously an opportunity for the driver to refresh and um or work, you know, for people to to relax, to work, um, to do, you know, to, to engaging sort of convenience buying, shopping, maybe. And so, we, what we like is for the architectural community to rethink, like, how if we've got people who stopped on a highway for this period of time, what facilities can we introduce that's going to help them enjoy that that dwell time when people are charging, and also if there's no tailpipe pollutants then you can we could actually have this indoors you can actually have a refueling station that's actually indoors which for connect you know for for canada obviously we have quite hard winters so it it also presents interesting ideas um that you could do there so i think at at its heart what we're trying to do is is address the issue of range range anxiety from a a different angle because i think non- gas car drivers view the the length of time that you have to stop and charge when you're on a long journey as a as a as a detriment as like something that's not good about evs but when you speak to ev drivers they'll say well i usually plan my stops and i go to the washroom i get a coffee i take my time i do my emails and because it's planned it's actually a relaxing pause point in the journey so we want to sort of enhance that dynamic into the sort of visual aesthetic and, and and functional aspects of what these highway stops would be like in the future.
0: Yeah. It's, it's interesting. So my, I guess just, just talking anecdotally, my, my last uh, road trip experience was a couple months ago, drove out to Pennsylvania from the Detroit area, maybe a eight hour, eight hour trip total usually. And the, I guess the interesting thing is I was driving with a six month old uh, (laughs) baby, which so typically I'm the person who I'm in the car and it's, yeah, at most I'm going to make one stop during that trip, and it's going to be five minutes in and out. And I want to see the ETA drop as little as possible on on the Google thing because really. for some reason I have kind of this. Uh, you you give me a goal of what time I'm supposed to get there, and I'm going to try to beat that, whether it means anything. Or... <laughs> I
1: know, it's, I totally get that. That's or such not. A good point.
0: But the uh, but the, but the interesting thing with with having the, the kids, so I mean, we probably stopped I don't know, five times. I think we we stopped over, and I think we stopped overnight even. Um, and you know it changed. the the whole and it it wasn't it's not stop hurry up it's stop and you know give them something to feed you're at a stop for 20 minutes and yeah it it took an extra hour or whatever but i think it was a potentially even more enjoyable trip and it became rather a rather than kind of eight hours try to get this done as as fast as possible i thought about it differently so i I guess i i could see yeah what you're thinking about it if there is a way for us to kind of change the the way people think about road trips maybe, maybe there's something there
1: yeah, that's, that's, that's a really, really good story. And uh, I think there's so much that we've got to relearn as as EV drivers and that our society has got to get get used to in a different way. And, yeah, that, that idea of okay, that, that, that minimizing that journey time is like, okay, yeah. well, maybe it's going to be better if I do stop and probably a bit safer as well. <laughs>
0: so. Yeah, and I, I mean, you mentioned being able to check emails or whatever if it's during the – or just, yeah, I think there's, there's a whole scope. And even – even when I was thinking about this design com- or competition coming into this conversation, I had pictured, okay, what, what in my mind, what am I thinking of? I know you guys innovation is one of the things that you're pushing as well as, you know, sustainability and, and, and all this type of stuff. Sure. And every version of the, of the stop that I pictured in my mind was essentially a, a current rest stop that just had chargers instead of a gas station. So I was picturing an outdoor area, which is essentially food and, and a re- I'm like, yeah, it's, it's easy enough. But then, you kind of change everything by saying, "Yeah, I guess it's it's true. If if they're electric vehicles, no tailpipe emissions, this entire thing could be, in you could drive in. And then you, there, I think that does potentially change the entire game."
1: Yeah, I think it's a particular thing with with highway charging. I think if it's neighborhood uh, charging or or town or in, in town centers or cities, there's there's lots of places that you can have charges. And there's in a city, there's usually amenities. Yeah, you know, not 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 too far away. There's always a convenience store and yeah. the corner type thing. But also on a highway trip, it's uh you are really dependent on what that destination's got to offer you. So uh yeah, yeah, that's the thinking.
0: And why'd you uh why'd you pick uh, maybe you somewhat alluded to this in what you just said, but why why'd you pick the highway as opposed so in my when I'm thinking about EV adoption, uh, at least currently it's you know, a lot of people are seeing it as kind of a city option if you are a multifamily. House um, or multi-car household, you for the most part have two vehicles, and yeah, it's easy to switch to and one electric vehicle, and then you have either a hybrid or a conventional vehicle that you can use for your road trips at at home. So that that's kind of some of the so, some of what I've heard, and you know, a lot a lot of people kind of focusing on fix or trying to improve kind of the urban um, and suburban type charging infrastructure. But th- this road trip trap topic is certainly interesting as well so how'd you guys settle on that kind of the highway driving as your target yeah well
1: it's it's um it's 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 one it's one of the biggest objections you you hear to evs is is um well if i want to go and visit my my auntie or uncle who lives 10 hours away how am i going to do that it's like well when did you last visit that person well Three years ago, but I might want to do it tomorrow, <laughs> and that's the reason that an EV is not not viable, um, and, and so it, it's it's all it, it's all, it's a real big big barrier. So I, I guess that was kind of like one way to, it, it, you know, I, I think we're thinking of it as trying to change that perception of okay, you've got a long trip and it's going to be awful because you have to stop into actually everyone's going to want to stop at this stop because it looks because you know, it's just a great stop it's got all the amenities and it looks super cool and it's just a nice environment to be in um and uh, and i think that it, it's uh i think that as i say with i i think that we we won't need gas stations in the, exactly the same way in town centers but pro- probably in, in cities in, in the in the future but but highway absolutely is still going to be a critical part of our public infrastructure for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and we've we've um, what we're hoping is with our our presenting sponsors, a company called Parkland, which is a a, a big Canadian-based corporation that's responsible for fueling. I think it's one in six uh, gas gas pumps in Canada and uh, also with, with operations in the US. So they're, they're very big gas retailers and and they're, they're planning for the future as well. They're thinking you know, as this transition happens, what's, what's the new model and, and how does it work? So um, we are what we're hoping is that we're gonna have some designs that are, are quite feasible and uh, that, that may actually end up uh, being built and that we'll actually see on our highways. So uh, there's, a, there's a really exciting real life component of this coming through will we'll be you know if the if the stars align with the entries that we get
0: well cool. so i guess if uh i don't know how many people we get really on the on the architecture and design side here but but if someone's hearing this and they're interested and want to uh i don't know they or they want to share it with someone who they know who might be interested but we're, we're just go on electric autonomy website more more or less right yeah uh, to register
1: thank you yeah yeah the um autonomy.ca does have a link on the top to design awards or you can just go to design awards electricautonomy.ca and you'll go right to the competition website
0: and it's open until like mid november or sometime that's right yeah november the
1: 15th and uh planning to announce the winners in february february
0: 1st cool so so what uh so yeah i think this this charging station is, is certainly an interesting topic what uh what other i don't know big big trends are you seeing or what what big topics are you excited about in this world that you're playing in
1: um well, one of the ones that I think is in, in, increasingly important is the, is the and, and this one I'm, I'm not so much excited about, but I'm excited in, in trying to address it, is um, yeah. quality of public charging infrastructure. And we've got, we've got a good skeleton of public charging infrastructure now, now in, in Canada, but a problem that is pretty pervasive is the reliability of those hmm. uh, stations. When you arrive at them and the, the challenge is that there's any number of reasons that a charger might not work there, there might might be somebody parked in front of it they call that icing when a combustion car parks in front of the ev charger uh for ice for internal combustion engine um it, it, you know the charger could be blocked or the charger could be broken or the network that's connecting that charger to the internet might be down or the utility might be unable to get power to that charger for some reason and there's, there's all lots, lots of different reasons why it might not work. and so it, it's historically been quite challenging to uh, I, I, I identify where this is happening and to monitor it and at, at scale across many different network providers and many different site hosts. Yep. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think we 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 need to really make sure that these these things we, we need to I think work quite diligently and make sure that the uptime of these things. Is 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 really is 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 good and probably more reliable than what we're seeing right now.
0: Do You have any thoughts about kind of what what that might look like and what some of the solutions that have been proposed look like?
1: Um, that, that's where we're spending quite a bit of time thinking about uh, how, how we might do that right now. Uh, the networks all have data, and they and that data gives them information on uh, uptime but it varies significantly between between company uh, in terms of the way they collect that data and what they measure for. Yeah. Um, and, and also it's challenging to understand if a charge is being blocked by a big garbage bin or something like that, or a car, it's, that that data doesn't necessarily show that there's no usage on that charger because it's blocked. So you kind of get into the real world, you know, getting real world data yeah. from somebody actually attending the site. So we're looking at a number of, uh, of options that, to, as to how we can if we can identify what what the uptime rate is now, then that will give us something that uh, a good starting point for it.
0: Yeah. uh, It's, it's an interesting topic and also maybe I want to uh, expand a little bit. So I I know, I don't know. Maybe maybe someone, I think most of the discussion so far has been kind of passenger car focused, right. And we're we're talking about electrification of the vehicles that you would drive, drive around for the most part. But if, if I'm, if you guys, if you look on your website, right, you guys are paying attention to a lot more than just just the passenger car space. So, yeah, um, could could you speak a bit like how, how are you seeing electrification kind of grow to other application segments?
1: We, um, thanks, yeah, we 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 focus we're focusing an increasing amount on medium and heavy duty vehicles, and there are in, increasingly good, good options of those vehicles coming to market. Although it's still very early days. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but so, so what, what we're trying to do with our reporting is to showcase uh, companies that have made the decision to start transitioning their fleet to electric or companies that are introducing pilots uh, on uh, uh, it, it, of electric vehicles into their fleets so the more that we can share case studies and we can show examples of what leaders are doing to, to do this. And that, that's kind of like a beacon for others. And it, it makes, you know, the, the next company that comes along easier to make their own internal business case when their competitors are doing this or somebody else has already done it. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so that's, that's a, a um, a, a big, certainly a big priority. There was, um, there, there was just actually a, a good, uh, event run, uh, recently with, um, uh, Called uh, Run or Less Electric, which was actually run in the US and in Canada, which was tr- testing real electric vehicles carrying real freight on real routes. So um, th- there's some good data that's coming out of that. We're going to be publishing a roundup of that in the next week or so.
0: Are those um, medium or heavy duty? Um, it was
1: medium and heavy duty. I, ah, I, th- cool. I think, yeah. So, um, yeah. So, so really, um, yeah, the, the, the real world applications of this the, this stuff is is happening. Um, and obviously it's a huge segment in terms of, uh, carbon emissions and, yep. and fuel costs, uh, frankly, as well, which when you get that running on electric, it's going to significantly reduce the cost of ownership. Um, so yeah, that's certainly the, 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 the main one. And then in terms of, uh, other areas like Marine is, is quite exciting. We've, we've got lots of waterways in Canada and lots of, uh, great lakes, obviously bordering with the U S and, um. We've in fact a couple of electric ferries are just on their way being delivered from Romania to Ontario, and uh, they're going to be deployed, uh, I think, for 2022. Oh. Um, so that, that's 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 really exciting uh, to see that category. And then, uh, and an aviation—it's just surprising me how quickly there's how 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 quickly av- there there seem to be electrification there are electrification options for for aviation um this is an area that you have some some uh, engagement with and, and experience with i think
0: yeah yeah so certainly uh and yeah so so aut- automotive has been what i have for the most part been focusing on what's so in my day job at fev for the i'd say the first four years i was there but now over the last year i've been you know branching out and putting a lot more focus on these other application segments with, with aviation being one of them and I think, you know, we talked about mining as one. Well. So I was at the, the big mine expo last year, which, or last week, which is a uh, particularly in- interesting, uh, interesting situation. And I think one of the, I don't know, one of the challenges, I, I think I see, you maybe I'd, I'd be curious your your thought maybe the role of media plays here. So when you think of like a- aviation, let's start there. Like the, the use case or the, uh, the benefit of electrified aircraft, like we're not going to have an electric seven, fifty sevens, triple seven, seven thirty, the Airbus A three hundred and twenty, A three hundred and eighty, etc. Like those types of vehicles aren't going to be electrified in the short term because it just it it doesn't make sense from a physics perspective. The battery technology and and the electrified uh, motor, but at the same time, there are the smaller region, regional applications, or they talk you know talk about air taxis, VTOLs, so essentially upgraded helicopters, as well as regional, whether it's freight cargo type planes or anywhere from the two to 20 seater, like these are kind of the prime applications right now for either electric or, or hydrogen type aircraft. But it's, it's very different than like when you say the term aviation, I bet you a lot of people listening think of the last plane that they flew on and that's not necessarily what we're thinking of
1: yeah yeah a, a really good distinction so yeah i think hybrid i think hybrid systems for aircraft makes 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 really great sense um and yeah we had one of the first electric flights in Canada, actually i think back in nineteen or early 2020 actually well yeah it's exciting uh, but oh, yeah air, it's, it's,
0: a, it's do you know do you know what the company was in japan it was harbor
1: air oh yeah. yeah um yeah which is I it's just kind of amazing to to, I mean, I don't know, when I started on this journey, I just didn't think we'd see that, that like a working aircraft that takes passengers actually doing that. It's kind of, it's, 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 it's kind of interesting.
0: Yeah. And i I pointed, so the, uh, I've pointed a few people to this and I think that it's, it's really well, well done. Um, PBS has a documentary that they came out with on electrified aviation, uh, just a couple months ago, which, it, which is really interesting. And they talk about kind of throughout the world, the different companies working in different aspects of, uh, electrified flight and yeah it's it's cool to see i mean there's there's certainly challenges regulatory it's yeah there's challenges i mean the stakes are a lot higher than in an automobile because you can't pull over and let let something happen you know and um but yeah there's there's a lot of a lot of cool things being done there
1: yeah i'll have to check out that documentary you mentioned um vertical takeoff and and drones and i i think what that's kind of what's caught that's that's what's kind of caught me a little bit is I'm all familiar with drones now and these kind of like relatively small units that take off with cameras and so on. And I think we've all seen like slightly bigger ones. And then when you think of like electric aviation being maybe just a huge drone that that can take two people, it, 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 it suddenly it's like, oh, that's, that's just a, that's a very small technological shift from, from where we are today, you know, rather than a, you know, like a 10, 20, 40 seater plane, you know, plus. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, and it would be nice. The more we can electrify things, the, the quieter it's going to be, and the less pollution it's going to be. And so, as a passenger, I'm sure it's going to be a lot more fun to to travel in these vehicles without the huge noise from the engines.
0: Yeah, and I mean the, the cool thing, and, and I think this is uh, maybe maybe not appreciated, but a decent amount, especially when you're you're close of the noise generated from the aircraft is you know, from the propeller spinning. It's especially if you think of a helicopter, it's that propeller is incredibly loud yeah but when you can switch to electrified motors and you have more of a distributed distributed propulsion system so rather than one central motor and and this is the same for uh for aircraft as well so rather than having you know two engines on the two wings you can switch like lilium for example has a bunch of little electric motors distributed and that a lot quieter right because now you have electric motors and smaller propellers and it, it scales with I think length of the propeller for, for the sound and the, the speed of the end of the tip and then also you can do some cool things with uh, just from a physics perspective so like these electric short takeoff and landing like you, you never could the idea of landing on a runway that's a couple hundred yards or whatever was it's not feasible with a, a tip of a conventional aircraft but when you get to this distributed and you're able to uh, utilize all of these electric motors in a congruent way and you know change the way they're propellant you you need much less takeoff even if you're not going vertical you need much less runway than you did before
1: god i didn't know it's it's amazing the knock-on benefits that that come with this change in system isn't it it's, it's like it's, it's always yeah. too easy to think that it's a switch just like for like but then you just an example you give there that you actually reduced the landing area like that's got huge functional benefits it?
0: yeah and, i mean if, if you think about it too then you i don't know a- amazon suddenly can the roof of their warehouse be a landing place or a, okay. a big parking lot that they have for, for one of these, or you, at, and I, I recommend, I, I just had uh, Kevin Ancliffe on a couple episodes ago from, from X-Wing. And he was, while he was at NASA, really a big proponent of this uh, regional air mobility. So a Ram and had a, a paper that came out and have, has been pushing this. And it's this idea that, you know, if, if we do switch to electrified and, and autonom- autonomous aircraft, which are both kind of, they go hand in hand, yeah. We have, and I, I assume Canada is the same, but the U.S. has this huge network of currently inaccessible um, airports to the public. So like, I, I go to Detroit International Airport, but I also drive by three other airports on the way because there's a small kind of private right. aircraft. And if you switch and suddenly the unit economics look a lot different and you can remove some of the pilots and you can a- access this network, there's existing infrastructure that Kind of changes the whole game if if done correctly
1: right yeah 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 those uh yeah i guess they're like comm- like say, commercial only or, or or private only uh airports but yeah open up those areas wow right.
0: well, go ahead yes.
1: sorry yeah i was going to say look one th- one thing that i'm i'd really love to see in my lifetime is um electric autonomous mm-hmm. uh mail robots delivering uh drones Actual autonomous drones delivering our mail, and so if our houses were built and our homes were built with like a chute on the on the top, and these drones just brought our mail and like just hovered over the roof and then dropped it in the chute, yeah. then uh, it, it, can you ma- imagine that the, the all, all the postage, the mail trucks that would be lifted from our roads, um, and you no, nobody need to. There's no security thing because nobody yeah. needs to open the door because you just drop it down and shoot. So uh, that's my. Great grand plan for the future. <laughs> yeah,
0: and it's, it sounds science fiction, but I mean, the technology is not, not, not far off. I mean, there's, yeah, there's a lot of logistics type questions and figuring out how to get public buy-in and regulation. But yeah, it's, it's not infeasible by any means.
1: Yeah, and we'd, we'd love to just re if that's okay. On You mentioned mining as one of the applications and yeah. it's an area we've done quite a bit of work on. We've got but one of our partners here called McLean Engineering uh, based in Canada makes underground electric mining vehicles and uh the benefits for mining operations of of electrifying um is 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 really huge so there's been electrified mines for for a long time but having battery electric vehicles that can that are not connected to a power source is obviously the innovation and uh the 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 advantages are just huge for in terms of cost and in terms of operator comfort so if um uh if you think of an underground mine, you've got like a diesel vehicle operating deep underground, it's also creating um, a lot of noise, a lot of vibrations and, and a lot of pollution that has to be H out and heat. And, uh,
0: right? I'm sorry. And heat too, and which is something well. I, I hadn't thought about until recently.
1: Yeah, really. Yeah. Really good point. And, um, and with, and with battery, it's electric. There's, there's no noise. There's obviously a lot less vibrations and, uh, that the, the, the running costs of the HVAC is, is enormously lower. Yeah. And in, in one of the panel discussions I was on, the gentleman was saying that their clients had found that uh, the, the, the co- they thought the cost saving would be in the diesel saving, but the cost saving was actually in HVAC.
0: Yeah.
1: It was, it was, well, it was in diesel saving, but the huge cost saving was in reduced HVAC costs.
0: Yeah. And the, uh, so I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm new to the, to the mining industry I'm still fairly. And I mean, have been looking into it for a few months, but very ignorant view. And I, but maybe, maybe there's others who are listening heard the same, but at least my, I had never been exposed to kind of what, what the mining industry is as well. Yeah. I heard kind of talk of there's, there's cool electrified stuff. There's cool connected and autonomous type technology. But in my mind, I, I still kind of picture kind of old school, uh, <laughs> mind that like you see in the movies. And, and I, di- I didn't actually think that people were there with pickaxes, but like, that's kind of, you know, what, what you picture and then a, a trolley, like on a train track that's that's moving. And yeah, it's, it's unbelievable. The, the scale of the, the equipment and the technology, and then also how far advanced the stuff is. I mean, when I, and in, in Vegas at the, uh, the, the mine expo, I think Komatsu had like their third largest um, excavator or something like that. And it was inches from the top of the convention center and the tires are 15 feet tall and the, the tall trucks are just, you know, or like even these underground trucks i mean obviously the profile is a lot lower but like yeah. the the power and the productivity of these things is, is unbelievable
1: yeah it's a oh, yeah they, i've never seen one of those machines got up close but just looking at the pictures of a, like, a, like a human standing next to one of those tires they, yeah. they're barely like as tall, tall as half a tire or something it's just a whole nother scale of uh
0: yeah no, I mean, and maybe that that brings up an, an interesting point so like the uh so yeah, underground mining, like you said, has been electrified and uh, the, the battery electric parts interesting right now. And then also there's some, there's improvements on the autonomous side and then also on the, uh, on the electrified side. But I'd be curious, like a, a haul truck, that was one of the the themes from the, the uh, from the, from last week. Cause you know, those, they're enormous machines that are under heavy load and they have a lot of emission and they're also relatively good use case for battery electric because you know, they go uphill, but then they also go downhill, which with, with a ton of weight, which allows you to regen and restore energy. Um, but with that being said, there's, there's the jury's still out of whether, I think everyone agrees we need to make these things more sustainable and we need to reduce the emissions, but the jury's still out of whether the best solution is pure battery electric or if it's some hybrid or if it's, um, a fuel cell, or if it's an alternative fuel ICE. Yeah. So for, for, that, and then kind of the, the broader topic, how do you think, like, you know, a, as company electric autonomy, and you're, you're talking primarily about battery electric vehicles, how, how do you try to think about these applications where, yeah, may, maybe it's not clear that, at least in the short-term, battery electrics are the optimal, like pure battery electrics are the op- optimal solution? I,
1: I think that um, the battery technology is still, certainly, lithium, well... I think we're still i think there's a lot of innovation to come in battery technology, so I think that where the power density is not there yet i think that it will be increasing over coming years so I think hybrid solutions for me are uh, a transitional technology so that's always the way i've thought about it for passenger vehicles um and like right right now we need to do everything that we can to reduce carbon emissions so if if hybrid is the immediate solution that's available for medium heavy duty and some of these other aviation, for example, like we, we have to dive into them like fully and completely. Um, But I I don't, I I think long-term it's all going to go battery because I think, I mean, we've just, we've just seen like the evolution in like computers down to smartphone size. And, you know, that that's with like lots of industries working to, to reduce if, if you look at the transition that's happened to smartphones, it, that's lots of industries and lots of experts and lots of scientists working to pack all that technology into a smartphone. Mm-hmm. Like now, that's that's only just starting to happen at scale globally with batteries. Like more and more companies, like you know, the financial community is starting to understand like battery cell batteries are part of our energy future. So there's more money and there's more research and there's more innovation going into it. And i feel as though we're only just kind of really get started in it at, at, at like massive scale mm-hmm. so yeah we're on lithium mine technology right now obviously solid state is is around the corner and there's other there's constantly other battery technologies that people are talking about so i think that we're going to get there with um with fully better with fully, ba- ba- with, with fully ba- battery electric i think it's just a matter of the window of time so i don't know if that's helpful to say it like that because it's quite vague but yeah you know, like 10 15 years i I, thi- I think, I think I'll be surprised if we're still relying on much hybrid for some of the less, you know, so belong the sort of like that industrial scale, if you like, and that super heavy duty application.
0: Yeah. I think you, uh, I guess I, I don't have a strong, uh, I could certainly see how full electric everything makes it. I could also see how hydrogen plays a, a decent role for some applications. Um, and yeah, I'm not completely sh- sure on the internal combustion engine. I think it's, it's certainly going to be here for a long time, a, a long time meaning, you know, at least 10, 15 years, maybe, maybe longer. But I think one of the interesting things that, that you touched on, which I think is sometimes missed by people who are, are really excited about kind of the technology tryst, um, this transition phase matters, right? So if, yeah. if in 2035, we were a hundred percent sure everything is going to be battery electric, even if that, and which isn't necessarily the case, but even if that was the case, kind of the, it's the slope under the curve that matters, right? So it's not that we can just pollute as much as we are now and then hurry up and go down to battery electric. Like we need to improve, yes, doing all these things to try to get to that point where 2035 or, or whenever is uh, in a great state and we're not, and we're doing well. I think that's, it's all great, but at the same time, you know, the, the effort to clean up on the way there is also worthwhile.
1: Yeah. I, yeah, absolutely. And uh, yes, yeah, staff. St- there's there's something like 24, 25 million vehicles on Canada's roads and like 99% of those currently, maybe 92 now, uh, sorry, yeah, maybe 98.
0: Hello again, so this is Brandon uh, breaking the third or fourth wall here, here again. So unfortunately it had a technical issue. So most of the interview that you've been able to listen to so far was uh, recorded and saved properly unfortunately something happened on my computer and I lost about the last 15 minutes which you know is, is really unfortunate um, but with that being said I I can take you through kind of some some of the content and takeaways um, here so we, t- we talked about a few things so, so first of all I asked Nino to kind of describe the technology ecosystem because if, if you're like me and I mentioned this in the intro uh, pro- probably don't have a tr- real appreciation for what's going on in, in Canada and the, the role that they're playing in this technology world. So we talked about, so first of all, just just looking at the podcast, if you look back at the past 60, 70 guests, um, a, a decent chunk of them have, have been from Canada. So we have, you know, Lettertech on the LiDAR side, Gatic on the Automate Autonomous uh, Middle Mile box trucks and commercial vans, X-Row on inverters and power electronic technology, other coil switch technology, coil driver, Um, Ballard fuel cells, hydro energy, um, hydrogen and diesel mixed, internal combustion engines, a great mix just on people who have talked on the podcast. And then as as Nino talked about in Ontario and throughout Canada, there are cool companies developing a, a wide mix of technology that's making the shift to safer and sane, more sustainable mobility possible so in addition to that like every guest i asked uh you know kind of favorite books and he mentioned three of them so first the corporation which i I haven't read but as he described it one of the key takeaways he had is that even well and even a corporation made up of well-intending individuals so non-evil individuals within a corporation when acting Solely in the interest of the organization, and you know, try, trying to hit some bottom line numbers or, or whatever, can make up an evil corporation—a corporation that does more bad than good, just because of the dynamics at play there within the corporation. Which I think, yeah, it's true, and also should give us some pause as we're thinking about this. Second book you mentioned, *Brave New World*. So it's a classic. I imagine a lot, a lot of listeners have have read. You know, dystopia, utopia type situation um yeah you know said he you know kind of thinks back to that book frequently especially these uh here and now birds or whatever they are are in the in the book and then the third one shoe dog so the phil knight biography and he mentioned you know business biographies as a topic or genre that he is uh really drawn to and i i haven't read the book yet it's one that's been on my list but as he described it you know th- looking back at nike um you look at them now, they're a huge conglomerate. They're, I think, the largest but um, athletic wear and equipment company in the world. But they didn't start that way. When Phil Knight started the company, they were the underdogs. Adidas was where Nike is now. They were far, far and away the, large, the big player, the gorilla. And Nike, Phil Knight, Shoe Dog, was able to build a company to take on and dethrone Adidas. So, yeah, that, that, those, those were the books. And then the last thing I... Can I ask, you know, Nino, to what? What do we miss? What, what do you want people to uh, to take away from this discussion? And he described the urgency of the situation as critical. So he just said, yeah, know, we we can't wait to decarbonize. This is an t- issue; it needs to be solved now. We have you know, climate change and other factors pointing to we we don't. The clock is ticking. We need to take carbon emissions and you know move towards electrification. As, as he focuses and maybe I take a little bit of a broader view, but I, I agree with the sentiment here. We, we need to act soon to to make a difference, make safe, sustainable mobility actually true. So with that being said, I really apologize um, about this technical issue. If you haven't yet, I'm going to push this again, but uh, go to electricautonomy.ca, check out their website, see the, the cool stuff they're doing. I, I really have a lot of respect for Nino and what they're doing at Electric Autonomy Canada. I think they're 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 doing things the right way they're they're providing factual information they're helping to advance this mission of sharing factual information accurate information that can help people make informed decisions and as we're making this push towards safer more sustainable mobility solutions check out the design competition if you have any interest it's, it's right on the home page you can you can see it uh and yeah with that again sorry i i'm sure it'd be better to hear the full discussion than you know i had than. uh this interlude here from from me. Um, Apologize about that, but thanks for sticking around. Thanks for listening. And I will talk to you next week. The Future Mobility podcast is brought to you by FEV. For more than 40 years, FEV has been a global leader in the development of mobility solutions for the transportation industry. With a team of experts passionate about innovation through the design, development, integration, and validation of turnkey vehicle and propulsion system technologies, FEV is your partner for the development of future mobility solutions. I'm your host, Brandon Bartnick. If you want to learn more or get in contact to share feedback or questions, the best place to find me is on LinkedIn at Brandon Bartnick. Thanks for listening.